Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, coming up in just a couple of moments, we're going to dive deep into all of the latest, the rumors, the reports, the facts, the fiction, when it comes to Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, potentially. That's their desire, as has been reported. And we'll talk about Georgia's involvement in all of this. There's actually been some interesting things said about all of that. We will cover all of those bases before we're done. We'll also hear from former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards on this same topic today as well on a very, very busy edition of Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. However, before we get to any of that and before we have time later on this week to react to more of what happened for UGA at SEC Media Days, you also are aware that today is a very big day for Georgia recruiting, in particular for the 2022 class. I want to highlight a name that we've been talking about for quite some time. And i got to tell you, and I think most Georgia fans feel the same way. There is so much excitement today about the possibility that before we all go to bed tonight, that Georgia may have added a great running back into its mix here in the person of Branson Robinson. We think of Georgia as being RBU. We know that Georgia has leaned on that running back university credentials in the past to you know bring in guys like Kendall Milton, specifically citing his relationship uh, or his you know awareness of guys like DeAndre Swift and Todd Gurley, the other backs who've come through this program, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, as one of the reasons why he chose UGA. I don't think there's anything that makes Georgia fans more proud, especially dating back to the great lineage of guys like Herschel Walker, the greatest of all time, and those that followed in his footsteps at the University of Georgia. Georgia fans love it when Georgia adds a great running back to the mix, and that's what Robinson provides for you a chance to do today. I'll show you Robinson himself on Twitter with his specific announcement he says it all goes down today he says 2 p.m central time that's obviously 3 p.m eastern time uh there on uh he'll be streaming that live on uh, on on video today we'll also have video coverage if and when robinson gives the dog some good news we'll have some video coverage for you on that coming up today so it's going to be a great day going to be a lot of excitement based on all of that it's also one of those moments in which you have to admit that the nature of this recruitment has been completely different than a lot of these are. Recruiting is one of those things where there's always a lot of mystery. There are hat shows on the table. There are you know surprise announcements. There are plot twists at the end when a guy maybe changes his mind and does something different than you anticipated that he would do. In the case of Bron- Branson Robinson, so much of what has gone on with his recruitment has seemed to be drama-free, which is kind of a nice thing. He has been very open about his relationship with Georgia. I've played you this audio before, but I want to kind of remind you of where we've been with Robinson and the past with the assumption that there's no obvious reason that any of this has changed ahead of Robinson's ultimate decision here later on today. Let me go back to an interview that Robinson did with Jeff Sintel as recently as a few weeks ago. This is just prior to Robinson taking what turned out to be a very pivotal visit to him, uh, you know, for him to Georgia, getting a chance to really see in person what he had been told about throughout the recruiting process. But going into that visit, Robinson was not shy about saying that, yes, Georgia was, if you'll pardon the pun, the lead dog in the hunt for his services. This is Branson Robinson with our Jeff Sintel. It's no secret now. It's number one right now. But, uh, you know, I just want to get the feel for everything. I just want to go down there see how everything is because, you know, I just don't want to, if I commit there, I just don't want to be there the first time I go down there after I commit, you know, I want to see how everything is and that's all that is. 
So I think that's great stuff. And also going into a little bit more detail about exactly why it is that 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 Georgia was his leader, talking about the family feel that he's gotten from guys like, in particular, running backs coach Dale McGee, more good stuff from Robinson, really giving you some details about what it is that he likes about the dogs. Why is Georgia still your number one? Uh, it's just the relationship with, you know, different coaches, you know, Coach Smart, you know, Coach McGee, pretty much the whole coaching staff and it's just the bond that I got, especially with Coach McGee, you know, just talk about certain things and stuff like that. Not on and off the field. Sometimes it's just about life and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, I just it's just really the coaching staff that really pulls me towards Georgia right now. And how would you describe your relationship with Coach McGee? Um, I would say he's more like an, an, another father, I would say. You know, nobody is your father, but, you know, we talk about things, you know, not things like considering football, you know, some things about he talk about his wife and kids and talk about how my day went at school and how my grades are and stuff like that. It's just certain stuff like that. It's hard not to listen to Branson Robinson and really be impressed with not just who he is as a football player. If you're watching on video, you obviously see some of the hi- some of the highlights of Robinson's running back, and it's well established that he's a good football player. He wouldn't be on Georgia's radar if he wasn't. But I would say that the success quotient in college football is about more than just your physical abilities to get it done. Because the honest truth is, anybody who does the recruiting stuff for a living, I'm talking about actual scouts who rate these players and really identify them when they're very young. I mean, I think most recruiting reporters and most recruiting you know, analysts, scouts, things like that would be fairly honest that sometimes it's hard to distinguish players within a category. They all look like great athletes, the ones that we would talk about in a show like this. But what separates one from the other? And I certainly don't have the empirical data to to back this up. But when you hear a guy like Robinson speak, and there, there there's a phrase that comes to mind for me. It's almost like deep roots, right? It's like when Robinson uses the language of family to describe the way that he feels about Georgia, I think you can take from that, well, obviously family must be important to Robinson, that this is the kind of guy that's not fleeting. He's not fly by night. He's not one thing today, the next thing tomorrow. This is the kind of guy that seems to change his mind, you know, slowly, if at all, which is, you know, certainly an interesting thing to say about that. So let me tell you what you probably already know, but maybe you haven't kind of thought about it in these terms, that if it does work out this way and that Robinson chooses UGA today the way that it has seemed like he was going to every step of the way, That's the kind of player that I I believe brings additional value to a Georgia program because it is very good to introduce into your locker room someone who kind of brings that kind of salt of the earth mindset of, hey, I like family. I chose Georgia because it feels like family. I'm going to come here and be a contributing member to this family. In addition to being the kind of bell cow running back who can tote the rock for you, I'm going to get along well with the guys that are in this locker room. And it's very easy to imagine Robbins, like a few of these other guys who are current UG commits as future team leaders, team captain types. I think that's incredibly valuable. This is going to be a fun day for Georgia today. I'll be watching this very closely. I know all of you will there as well. And hopefully we're on video later on today talking about some really good news for the dogs and Robbins. Now, let me also quickly say this. It is also decision day. And this is where the... <laughs> If this is a movie soundtrack, the music probably changes here a little bit. You've got the nice soaring orchestral epic tones, you know, playing or talking about Branson Robinson, maybe a little bit different kind of music. I don't know if it's 
if it's a horror movie score or whatever else, when it comes to Deny Dennis Sutton, the very impressive edge rushing prospect, who's also let it be known that today, 5 p.m. at McDonald's School up there in Baltimore where he lives, and he says it's open to the public, he'll be making his commitment announcement. I'd have no reason to believe that this decision for uh, DDS today is any different than I thought it was going to be when we talked about this a little earlier this week. It seems like over the you know last couple days of the weekend, you know, heading into the start of the new week, that uh, denied in a sudden and kind of trended away from Georgia a bit. I'll, I'll still be watching, paying close attention to this. I mean, obviously surprises have happened in recruiting before, but for now, it doesn't quite seem like things are looking so good for UGA with DDS. But even if that goes that way, honestly, the spotlight should remain on Branson Robinson, uh, a prospect that's certainly worthy of the attention that he's gotten on shows like this over the course of the last few weeks. And if he does truly commit to the G today to become the next member of RBU, it'll be a great day for Georgia indeed. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, we're on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast, all of them. Good to be back in our home here in our palatial uh, Dog Nation World Headquarters Studios, the friendly confines, as I like to call that. It's uh, great to be with us, and a big, big, big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, Megan, all possible. You know, I, I love my friends at Meriwether and Tharp because, you know, Bob and his wife Ashley, one of the uh, partners there, big UGA folks, but also really tireless workers uh, when it comes to solving a big problem that a lot of folks in our audience face. Statistically speaking, a lot of the folks who are listening to us right now have either been through, find themselves at the you know, step first steps of maybe about to go through the divorce process. It can be scary and confusing, and unfortunately, I you know, I, I can't eliminate the fact that it's you know it's a challenging time for you. I'm sure you have all kinds of emotions related to that. But here's the one thing I can tell you: that when you make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp, what you're doing is putting an advocate by your side who's going to walk with you every step of the way, going to work hard for you, going to roll up the sleeves and fight for you when necessary. And at a certain point in time, you'll probably uh, maybe need some of that there as well. They're no stranger to all that kind of stuff. That's what Meriwether and Tharp does. It starts with a free initial consultation. They'll educate you about the process. And then after that, make the decision. Put them to work for you and let them get you everything that you deserve in all of this. Let them explain the specific intricacies of the law and how they impact your situation. This is what they're good at. They've been doing this for a long time. They've got a gigantic staff dedicated to helping make all of this go smoothly, setting you up to enjoy uh, the next season of your life. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we've got Terrence Edwards coming up in just a moment. And one of the topics we're going to spend a lot of time talking to Terrence about today is something that we're going to address here around the doghouse, uh, presented today by our friends at ServePro. Really excited to have ServePro with us for Around the Doghouse and very interested in the topic we're going to address here just for a moment because I'll give the timeline here just briefly. So yesterday, I'm leaving Hoover, Alabama on my way home after having done SEC Country Live, and this is around the time that Texas A&M was beginning its appearance there at SEC Media Days. I was going home after having been there for the uh, last couple of days, and a story drops from Brent Zwarneman of the Houston Chronicle that has had the entirety of the college football world, certainly within the SEC world, but the entirety of the college football world talking ever since. I'll show you this on the screen, the tweet that Zwarneman sent out, story linked, that has rocked everyone. The Houston Chronicle exclusive, Zwarneman says, 
Texas, Oklahoma reach out to SEC about joining conference. And it is interesting in the language used here that it's Texas and Oklahoma doing the reaching out and the SEC simply being on the receiving end and not the other way around. That is Brent's ornament. Now, here's the thing I want to spend some time kind of addressing here for a moment as we go around the doghouse. I think the initial thought among some fans when something like this happens, especially given the fact that we are in what is known as talking season, I think the initial question that comes up, and this is not to disrespect Zwarneman, who's a you know longtime reporter who's been a part of some big stories, you know, certainly for a long time. But when the headline is that electric, I think there are there's some people who are left to wonder, well, is this real or is this just a talking season thing? Is this the kind of thing that's just kind of exaggerated for attention at a time in which there's very little else to kind of get fixated on when it comes to college football? Let me be very clear about one thing before you do anything else. The story, at least as Warneman has reported it, is real. Now, we'll find out if you know this does result in Sooners and Longhorns being in the SEC, but I think you have plenty of reason to believe that what Warneman reported yesterday, the every letter of what he wrote is actually true as of right now, and I'll give you a few pieces of evidence as of why. Sometimes one of the most telling things in college football is what's not said. And when you've got, you know, statements being released that kind of work as non-denial denials, not outright denials, but the kind of thing of just simply not wanting to acknowledge that at the moment, uh, I think that has the way of kind of working to be proof here. I'll show you a couple of examples of this. It's Warnham himself sharing statements from both Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Texas, the official statement from that organization, speculation swirls around college athletics. Well, we're not going to comment on rumors and speculation. Oklahoma saying the college athletics landscape is shifting constantly, and we don't address every anonymous rumor. So both Oklahoma and Texas giving you, as I said before, what kind of feels like a little bit of a non-denial denial. denial. Uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, the entity on the other end of all this. Dennis Dodd and others reporting yesterday that when Sankey was asked about this directly, he says no comment on that speculation, told other outlets that he simply wanted to focus for now on the 2021 season. If this was obviously all made up out of whole cloth, Sankey would have had every opportunity not to acknowledge that, and he you know, kind of chose not to do that. The other thing that we kind of know here in terms of the the reality of all this and the fact this is being taken very very seriously is other Big 12 schools, in particular Oklahoma State, very quick themselves to jump out here and say, okay, if this is going on, if Oklahoma and Texas are doing this, then we've got to be ready to react there as well. Let me show you the statement here from Oklahoma State, Ralph Russo from the Associated Press sharing this, uh, saying that we've heard unconfirmed reports that OU and Texas approach the Southeastern Conference about joining the SEC. We're gathering information. We're monitoring closely. If true, would be gravely disappointed. Uh, while we place a premium on history, loyalty, and trust, be assured we will aggressively defend and advance what is best for Oklahoma State and our strong athletic program, which continues to excel in the Big 12 and nationally. Now, you understand all of this, that if Oklahoma and Texas were to leave the Big 12, that leaves schools like Oklahoma State essentially almost removed from Power 5 status because the Big 12 as a league would seem very difficult to function if you lose the flagship schools that have given it any cachet whatsoever. And there's a little bit of desperation in the voice of that statement from Oklahoma State that kind of proves that to be true. Let me also quickly give you two more pieces of evidence why I think you can take the Zwerneman report there from the Houston Chronicle very, very seriously. There are a couple of other things now kind of floating around there too, including a story from May that didn't get much attention at the time, but is now being, I think, greatly reconsidered. The Lubbock Avalanche Journal, which is obviously a news organization there in Lubbock, Texas, the same city that houses Texas Tech, reported back in May 
that the Big 12 had reached out to their TV partners, ESPN and Fox, about renegotiating their rights deal. It would have been four years early. The deal doesn't expire for another four years. But the Big 12 wanted to talk about, hey, let's get those conversations started about, you know, maybe, you know, renegotiating some rights and getting some better TV money here. And as reported by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, it sounds like those uh, attempts to do that on the part of the Big 12 were completely rebuffed by both Fox and ESPN. Apparently, it was a total non-starter from the TV networks. And so, it's easy to understand that if the TV partners aren't returning our calls right now in the Big 12, that if you're Texas and Oklahoma, you might get a little bit nervous about that. That's why uh, that becomes a little easier to understand. The other thing is there was a local TV reporter based out of Texas who this morning has reported that both Texas and Oklahoma have or are planning to inform the Big 12 that they will not be signing a new rights deal when that when that TV rights deal does become open again, which I guess would be in 2025, that Oklahoma and Texas will not be signing that rights deal uh, and be a part of those negotiations, according to a local TV reporter based out of Texas there today. So a lot of reason to believe that all of this is really true. And let me tell you why that matters. Because the other thing that Zwarnerman reported yesterday in the Houston Chronicle, and this is maybe after the shock and awe of Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC kind of wears off a little bit, here's the next most important thing to note, and Zwarnerman wrote about this yesterday. That all this is going to expect to go down like the next couple of weeks. This is not one of those things you hear a nugget about it now and then we revisit it at Christmas. Zwarnerman says that all of this is going to play out very, very quickly, perhaps over the course of the next couple of weeks, which is in and of itself fascinating. Now, this still leaves us with a bunch of other questions. And before the show is done today, I'm going to try to address all of those, at least the ones that I can bring to mind here, including how any of this impacts UGA, what Georgia fans are saying about all of this. We'll do that before we're done here today uh, on Dog Nation Daily. And we'll also talk to Terrence Edwards about this in just a moment there as well. Before we do that, though, let's go around the doghouse here. From on, as I told you before, it's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And listen, you know this, that one of the hardest things for a homeowner to deal with is that moment when you look around your home and you see damage. Damage caused by water. Damage caused by, by fire. It can be one of the most disastrous things that a homeowner can deal with, but that's one of the reasons why you want to know about my friends at ServPro, because when that happens to you, the cleanup and the restoration specialists at ServPro are going to be there for you. They're going to be working hard to get your home just like new, literally like it never even happened. That is what ServPro is famous for. All of their franchises are independently owned and operated. you got hardworking people dedicated to taking care of you when it comes to water damage, fire damage, making it all back whole again, literally making it like it never even happened. That's what Serve Pro can do for you. So please check them out on this website. It's servepro.com. That's S E R V, if you're listening to radio podcast, S E R V P R O, servepro.com. Check out Serve Pro, and they can literally make whatever damage you've dealt with, whatever needs to be restored in your home, like it never happened. Check out servepro.com today for a lot more on that. All right, we'll cover everything related to Oklahoma, Texas. Also, a little bit of a look back at what's happening for Georgia this week at SEC Media Days. Let's do all of that with our buddy Terrence Edwards right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so much to talk to Terrence Edwards about. Uh, appreciate his time on the uh, program today. Uh, Terrence, it was big news when it came out yesterday. Rumors, reports, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I guess it's more, certainly more than rumors now 
Oklahoma, Texas potentially becoming the 15th and 16th members of this SEC. Terrence, you're a SEC great. I mean, your 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 you know lineage, your legacy, your history in the SEC as substantial as anybody. Your voice matters on something like this. What's your initial thought when you hear about the possibility that Texas and Oklahoma could be about to join this league? I actually thought it was a joke at first when I once I I saw it came through and I went to a uh, to the ESPN website or Bleacher Report to really like dang this is this is actually true it'll be big for the conference I think uh, you know the SEC brings in a lot of money and I think Texas and Oklahoma will only expand that uh, those dollars in our conference and I would love it I would love to have those two powers uh, come to our conference I mean that will only expand the dominance of this country, of this conference, and I think everyone sees that the SEC is the best conference to come play in. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the debate about what the strongest conference would be or what the conference that's kind of leading the way for college athletics would be, I mean, I would say this story, even as it's currently reported, would certainly suggest the SEC is far out in front of Big Ten, anybody else, in terms of where it stands right now and how it's thinking about the future. And Terrence, I've heard from a lot of Georgia fans on this since the news first came out, and I would say that most of the fans I've heard from have kind of echoed what you have said there of, well, you got to make the SEC as big as it can be. You need to be as great as you can be, and Oklahoma, Texas help accomplish that, make everybody a lot more money there too. Um, I, I guess let me ask the question this way, and I'm, I'm being intentionally devil's advocate on this. Is there any concern on your part as somebody who's – you know, you're from the Southeast. I'm from the Southeast. I'm old enough to remember when this is a 10-team league. And I, listen, I'm not trying right. to say that everything needs to be, you know, the way it was, you know, way back a long time ago. Progress, typically speaking, is a good thing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be progress. I understand all of that. But when you talk about adding two more teams from the West, all of a sudden, the geographic center of this league starts to move a little bit. And the University of Texas, from a cultural standpoint, I would say is very different than a lot of other schools in the SEC. At any point in time, do you worry that the thing that makes the SEC bigger also to a degree kind of makes the SEC not really feel like the SEC so much anymore? Yeah, I can, I can understand that, and I can agree with you on that part. It's, we are the Southeastern Conference, and majority of the schools have been in the South, and now we have really uh, started to expand our reach, starting with Missouri, now Texas A&M. So, uh I, I can understand that sentiment as well. And we are the Southeastern Conference, and we old school guys probably say we need to stay in the South, but it, it is a progressive world, and everyone is always trying to find the next and best and bigger thing, and adding those two teams to our conference would just solidify the dominance that we have in college football. Yeah, I think that's a uh, very interesting way to say that. On, on a different note for a moment, and I promise we'll come back to Oklahoma, Texas before the show is done today, but on a different note for a moment, I also talked before you joined us about this being decision day for Branson Robinson, and I know, Terrence, you've said before that you really try to stay up to date on all those great recruits that are out there, whether they be you know running backs, wide receivers, whatever else, and I know how impressed you are with Robinson as a player, and this is one of those things where I'm sure your brother Robert probably talks your ear off about you know what what a guy like this could do for Georgia there as well because I know how much he loves that running back position too. But you know this is one of those things that the Georgia you know legacy the history of this program is built on these really great running backs and boy Robinson looks like he could be the next one when he speaks he's got this very polished mature demeanor. 
I mean, I haven't seen anything yet about Branson Robinson that makes me not want to hear him call George's name when he makes his decision at 3 p.m. Eastern time later on today, and I'm pretty sure you probably feel the same way. I think so. I, you know, I keep up with everybody, and that uh, is one guy I have watched this film, and my brother Robert has watched this film as well. And uh, the only thing that I could come up with when I always try to do comps is it's easy to see his comp is Nick Tubb, mm-hmm. very thick, uh, muscular running back that has great acceleration and vision, and he's a bigger back at 215, 16 pounds right now as a 17, 18-year-old kid. Um, so he seems to have that work ethic that Nick Chubb has just looking at his physique. Um, and he fits what the Georgia running back have, has been throughout their history. And hopefully if uh, he decides to come to Georgia, he would definitely add to the running back U legacy. And I think the other thing about this too, Terrence, is, I mean, we're also in the midst of a time in which a lot of folks are hoping that Georgia continues to upgrade its passing attack and resemble some of these teams that have won national championships in recent years. And yet, I think you and I both would say that when you look at these great passing teams, whether it be Oklahoma that hasn't won a national championship but has been a fixture in the college football playoff and scoring a million points a game, the running game's a huge part of what they've done. You know, they bring in Eric Gray, for instance, the former Tennessee back, to be a big part of their offense this year. You think about, you know, a Trey Sermon, the uh, former, you know, Georgia high school you know product who who went there for a while and just having big running backs, successful running games, that's been what Oklahoma did. You know, LSU had Clyde Edwards Hilaire in 2019. Uh, Alabama had Najee Harris a, a year ago. Uh, Clemson, you know, in the midst of throwing the ball, you know, still had a guy like Travis at the end. That, you know, if Georgia wants to be what everything it can be offensively, the running game is still a huge part of that, which is why you want guys like Robinson and, by the way, the backs that Georgia has right now, that even as Georgia throws the ball more, running the football in college football is still not going out of style anytime soon. Oh, most definitely. Just look at last year. Look at Najee Harris. He ended up with over 20 touchdowns. I think uh, 12, 13, 1,400-yard rushing last year. He was a big part of what they did offensively, even though – you know, their passing game was elite. Their running game was just as elite as well. I just think only different was Georgia been in the past is we always had two guys where these programs have one guy that carries the load because they threw the ball so much. Uh, they didn't have to have dual running backs to split carries. They just had one major guy. And, uh, I mean, just looking at his film, I would love to be able to duplicate what the, the offensive of the past as of Alabama, LSU has had, but you also got to have that dominant running running game. And just look at last year uh, when JT Daines did start. Um, I always talk about he threw for 400 yards those four games he started, did it twice, but that South Carolina game, the offense predicated was the running game. So yeah. you still have to bring that, that lunch pair running mentality into, into a game because just throwing the ball all game uh, – We'll look good, but you still got to force those defense linemen to not just feel like they could pass for us the whole game and be able to stop the run as well. I want to finish with this. I thought it was very interesting at SEC Media Days how much attention Eric Gilbert's arrival at UGA got. Obviously, Kirby Smart gave you know folks, some Georgia fans anyway, some good news about you know uh, Gilbert being good to go, ready to go for the upcoming season, which was I guess anticipated, but still nice to hear Smart say that. But also a lot of questions about you know, how Gilbert fits into this offense at Georgia. Ed Orgeron says some nice things about him. He was really one of the most talked about guys related to Georgia's appearance there on Tuesday. I know you've told us before that you think that Gilbert's raring to go for the upcoming season there as well, and I'm sure you must have enjoyed seeing the way in which he kind of got a nice, you know, 
uh, moment in the spotlight here this week. A lot of folks paying attention to the impact that he could make there at Georgia. I'm sure for someone like you who's been a mentor to Gilbert, that must have been nice to see. It was very nice. I mean, I'm just excited to see, and I can't wait to see him have an opportunity to uh, just practice with the team. Hopefully I'll be able to get down uh, for some of the scrimmage or the training camp practice, just watching. But it's going to be emotional to see uh, him and all he's been through these last 16 months to be able to put that Georgia uniform on against Clemson and go out there and try to help his team team win. Uh, I know he's excited. I know he's still, still happy, as I keep alluding to. And when you have a happy Eric, I think you're going to have a dominant Eric. I think that's great to think about, uh, Terrence, and I love I love the way that you phrased that there at the end. As we get ready to wrap up uh, with you, let me remind folks that you're also, much the same way you've worked with uh, Eric Gilbert throughout the years and other great guys who are doing big things at the college level, you're working with that next generation of pass catchers there as well. Your wide receiver academy really not just only teaches guys to be better receivers, better pass catchers, but also just you know better young men there as well. So if they want more of the kind of work you're doing, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wild Receiver Academy. Really good stuff, Terrence. Thanks so much for your time, and we appreciate you being here on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Well, thank you. All right, good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. Before we move on, I also want to take a moment to remind you about something there as well, that today is the last day for you to sign someone up, nominate someone to be a Kroger five-star kid. So I want to make sure I let you know about this. We've had an unbelievable response to this. We've had some great stories told. Uh, obviously, this is kind of like what we did back in the spring with our five-star moms for Mother's Day, and that was such a popular thing with our friends at Kroger who've really stepped up to the plate here to make this wonderful. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've missed the show and want to find out more about this, go to dognation.com. Up there at the top, you'll see a link for the Kroger five-star kids nomination. You can learn all about it. One of the things that we're doing is we're going to draw 50 uh, of these Dog Nation Kroger five-star kids t-shirt winners. I think this t-shirt is awesome, by the way. These just look so good. I uh, got the Kroger logo, got the Dog Nation logo, the five-star kids. This is a fun thing. A lot of you have asked about the kids stuff for Dog Nation anyway, and this is a great way to get one of those. Be one of our Kroger Dog Nation five-star kids uh, t-shirt winners. We'll draw randomly some of the uh, entrants there. But we're also going to select five folks, and pretty soon, five young uh, youngsters, uh, kids, and we're going to announce them as our Kroger five-star kid here on the show very soon there as well. And the incredible collection of prizes that the kids will get for being one of our Kroger five-star kids it's really pretty amazing. I want to make sure I read all of this to you. It's a $100 Kroger gift card, a $50 Domino's gift card, $50 Amazon gift card, $50 gift card to Dick's Sporting Goods there as well. It's $250 worth of gift cards. Uh, pretty amazing stuff all the way around. Of course, no purchase necessary on that. If you're ready to nominate, it's info at dognation.com for more details. Info at dognation.com for more details. Or uh, check out dognation.com to find out more about this submit your entry and we'll start getting ready to make our announcements about our winners here coming up very soon so check out kroger five-star kids online at dognation.com today let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right boy there is a lot left over to discuss related to this oklahoma texas thing i thought terrence edwards words on all of this were really pretty amazing and, and very very interesting so we will kind of pick it up where he left off there and I think there are a few questions that need to be asked on this and the answers to these questions are going to determine where all this goes next and if you're just joining us video radio something like that 
we're talking about the report from Brent Zornerman from the Houston Chronicle yesterday that has rocked the college football world that Oklahoma and Texas have reached out to the SEC about joining the league, and that all of this could happen literally sooner rather than later over the course of the next couple of weeks. So here's the first question that I think is interesting. Who leaked this story to Brent Zwerneman? Now, Zwerneman's going to protect his source, but that doesn't stop us from speculating about it. And this is one of those things that's more than just palace intrigue, soap opera drama. I think who leaked the story gives you a little bit of a clue as to where this is going next. For instance, yesterday, driving home from Hoover, Alabama, it seemed like a lot of the folks there in, uh, at SEC Media Days were treating this as a bomb dropped by Texas to take the spotlight off of uh, Texas A&M and its appearance at SEC Media Days. Because the timing of this is amazing, both in terms of the fact that it literally drops at the moment Texas A&M is going up to the podium there at SEC Media Days, and as luck would have it, you can decide for yourself if this was luck or intentional. Uh, Ross Bjork, the Texas A&M AD, was also on hand with Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies players there as well. It's also fairly interesting that it came 10 years to the day uh, from when Arbo and Lofton, the uh, Texas A&M president, a decade ago, had talked about the uncertainty surrounding the Big 12, and here we are a decade later. Now it seems like Texas and Oklahoma have kind of noticed the same thing. So, so here's why this matters. As I said before, some people thought, oh, well, this is Texas kind of dropping this on Texas A&M to kind of take the spotlight off them for SEC media days. And one of the things that would seem to uh, give some you know, credence to that is the fact that uh, Bjork, who I mentioned was in town for Hoover, Alabama, as reported by Ross Dillinger from Sports Illustrated, got a call from his university president while he was talking with some reporters. It was actually that phone call with the university president that let Bjork know this story was appearing in the Houston Chronicle, which would seem to suggest, well, Texas A&M must not have been the source of this leak. But there are other folks, including Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, who are saying that this could have been Texas A&M that chose to leak this for one specific reason that if A&M is able to get this out into the public and not allow Texas to work in secrecy in trying to come to the SEC, A&M, and York made it very clear yesterday that, that he wants the Aggies to be the only Texas school in the SEC, that Texas A&M does not want this to happen, and since we know that's true, that by the insinuation from some reporters, including the mail from Yahoo, is if, if, if A&M then leaked this story, all of a sudden, by making it public, it makes it harder for AN, for, for Texas or Oklahoma to operate on this, and it also makes it easier for those who might like to stop it. Fox Television Network, who currently controls a good bit of the uh, Big 12 TV revenue, you know, TV uh, inventory, uh, Oklahoma State, who we've already heard from in the show, it, it gives them a chance to stop it, or maybe it gives other leagues or other entities a chance to get involved and maybe steer Texas or Oklahoma in their direction and not towards the uh, SEC. So whether it was you know, someone on the Texas side who leaked this or someone on the Texas A&M side who leaked this, that could actually matter in terms of how quickly the gears turn to make all this happen. The other thing that I think you're left to wonder is if Texas A&M is going to be open about saying we don't want the Longhorns in the SEC, will anybody else in the league step up and join them on this? You need 11 of 14 schools to vote to add you know, Texas or Oklahoma, will A&M have any allies in this whatsoever? It has been openly speculated that schools who have blocked SEC teams in the past or, or sought to block SEC expansion in the past, Georgia being one of these, those schools that have an in-state rival who plays in the ACC, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, they didn't want Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, or Louisville to get 
any kind of consideration for being added to the SEC. So maybe that previous feeling from them would make them feel like they had common cause alignment with Texas A&M right now. I think one of the things that may suggest that's kind of maybe not quite so true is the fact that really nobody up to this point in time, and I'm recording this right now, uh, late on a Thursday morning, to this point in time, nobody else other than A&M has kind of spoken out about this at all, that if one of those other schools that I just mentioned was somehow in agreement with Texas A&M that you shouldn't add the in-state rival into the league, they may have spoken up and said something by now. The other possibility on this might be Missouri. It has been reported that new, relatively new, going into a second-year coach, Eli Drinkwitz, is already in the recruiting trail, kind of using the fact that Texas and Oklahoma want to be in the SEC as a recruiting you know, a point scored for a Missouri team that's already in the SEC, essentially suggesting that Missouri, who likes to recruit the state of Texas, has more cachet than the Longhorns and the Sooners who are on the outside hoping they can join the league. Is that sentiment enough for Missouri to maybe at the institutional level want to go against uh, the the Longhorns and the and the Sooners actually joining this conference? That might be a little bit of wishful thinking, uh, you know, on 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 Drinkwitz's part, whatever else. It, you know, it, once again, if 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 no one's going to speak up publicly and join A and M in saying they don't think this should happen, then it kind of starts to feel like the Aggies might be on a little bit of an island on all of this. I guess there's also questions to wonder how the Big 12 is going to respond to this. It certainly seems like, based on you know quotes from Bob Bowlesby, the league commissioner at Big 12 Media Days last week, that he's totally caught off guard by this in the fact that he essentially told reporters last week that he didn't think there was anything to worry about when it comes to conference expansion, and yet it lands on his doorstep right now. Something else I think that's kind of interesting to consider here is how a 12-team playoff, which is what seems like college football is moving to, impacts all of this. And I thought Clay Travis brought up something that I hadn't fully considered in relationship to this, that if you're in Oklahoma and Texas considering coming to the SEC in a 14 playoff world, maybe you would be a little bit disincentivized towards doing that because it's a 16-team league, which is likely going to only get one playoff spot. That might be, you know, for a school like Oklahoma in particular, you know, that might be a reduction of its brand because Oklahoma and the current Big 12 would seem to have a fairly easy path to playoff each and every year. But now that the the playoff appears like it's expanding to 12, there are going to be multiple SEC teams in the playoff each and every year. And all of a sudden that, you know, possible barrier to entry for a team like that joining the SEC might just not be there anymore because of what appears to be a 12-team expansion into the college football playoff. There's also, I think, some curiosity about what the other leagues might do on this. You know, does the ACC try to get involved here? Uh, obviously, the ACC, you know, it seemed to have you know somewhat of a relationship with Notre Dame right now, and Notre Dame seems happy to go back and be independent. Uh, does the ACC make their move towards a school like Texas? I thought the brand-new Pac-12 commissioner had an interesting statement yesterday about, you know, he thought he was going to have an easy start to his job, and it sounds like, you know, he kind of wants the Pac-12 to be a player in all of this when it comes to, play, to, to expansion. Obviously, the Pac-12 was once a player for uh, Oklahoma and Texas before, before everything and kind of settle down the way that it was right there. We may see other conferences get involved. We may say, see Texas at least consider the possibility of being independent uh, that's out there. Um, also, in terms of you know why all of this is happening now, I would go back to what I said before about the, the weak bargaining position that the Big 12 seems to have on its TV partners. And for a, for a TV entity like, like ESPN, who 
would obviously like to have more Texas games, obviously like to have more Oklahoma games, and thinking that you could get more of that by simply adding those two programs into the SEC without you know having to buy all of the Big 12 rights would, in a lot of ways for for an entity like ESPN, that kind of seems like a uh, bargain. Although it's also important to note that in previous expansion, you know, if like watch you know the movie The Insider about the uh, uh, the whistleblower for the tobacco company that goes on sixty minutes, and there was all this fear that the tobacco companies were going to sue sixty minutes, and the concept of tortious interference came up about you know interfering with what is a you know signed contract. You know, there's I guess also a little bit of concern here that. You know, listen, if you get in there and start messing too much with all of this and cause these teams to leave the Big 12 and kind of invalidating a contract that was in place, there's some potential legal ramifications for all that. I'm not smart enough to know if that's true or not, but that's at least, you know, kind of being talked about in some of this. It's also been reported by multiple outlets that if Texas does indeed leave to come to the SEC, that would be essentially the end of the Longhorn Network, that it could be easily dissolved as a way of bringing Texas into the SEC here. So there are uh, certainly plenty of fascinating ramifications to all of this. It's it's This is a really interesting time that we're entering into when it comes to college sports, and this is not speculation. This is not hey, maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. One way or another, something is going to happen. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Texas or Oklahoma land in the SEC, but the process of of going down that road, which could ultimately you know, result in the you know, dissolution of the Big 12 and maybe Texas, Oklahoma being somewhere else besides the SEC, that's a strong possibility here as well. So the bottom line is it's not clear if the Longhorns and, Ag- and Sooners are coming to the SEC, but some stuff is about to go down in college sports, and it's going to go down in a very big way. I'm going to close out here in a moment by giving you a reaction to some Georgia fans from all of this news based on something that I put out on Twitter yesterday. We'll do that here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, as the summer games get ready to get going on, don't forget about my friends at the Finish Long Drink. And the reason why I bring up summer games when I bring up my friends at the Finish Long Drink is you want to go back to the 1950s in Helsinki. That's actually the origin story for the Finnish Long Drink, created there in Finland to celebrate the arrival of those games and the the fun that was had by all around that. And it's been a part of good time get-togethers ever since all around the world, now in the United States, here in Georgia there as well. You see on the screen, for those of you watching on video, all of the uh, varieties of the finished long drink, the traditional, which I love. It's kind of like a grapefruit citrus kick to go along with the gin. Uh, unbelievable. It's like a, it's a ready-to-drink cocktail coming right out of the can for you. Pop the top. You can drink it out of the can. You can pour it in a glass. Either way, it's just kind of ready to go for you. There's a long drink cranberry. There's a long drink strong. It comes in a black can. It's 8.5% alcohol by volume. There's long drink zero, which is a really cool thing there as well. Um, it is just really fun. And you've been hearing me talk about but a lot of you have shared with me on Twitter your own experiences enjoying the finished long drink, and it sounds like you're really happy to have heard about it. So if you haven't tried it yet, you want to know where you can get it. A lot of bars in downtown Athens, a lot of golf courses around where I live in the Atlanta area here, uh, beverage stores, everything else. The simplest thing for me to tell you to do is to go to thelongdrink.com thelongdrink.com and find out where you can pick up the finished long drink today. And some of you ask, if you live outside the state of Georgia, can you also find out about that there there too? You certainly can, thelongdrink.com. You can figure out where you can get that today. So here's what I said on Twitter yesterday. I'll just kind of sum all this up. That it seems obvious that adding Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC brings in more money, but it also creates two additional slices of the pie out of that money. In other words, is the kind of revenue boost that you're going to get 
worth also dividing up money more ways for schools, you know, 14 of which that are dividing up a pretty big pie of money as it stands right now. You know, just to kind of give you kind of a, I guess, a capsulized opinion in all of this, I'm certainly not going to stand in the way and say this definitely shouldn't happen with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. I sort of have my reasons for kind of hoping that it doesn't. I can't help but be fascinated by the story, though. It's just so interesting. And, you know, I found myself this morning trying to read everything I could related to all of this. But I guess in terms of this, for me, being a no-brainer for the SEC, I'm maybe a little skeptical of that. Uh, But I did want to share some feelings of some Georgia fans on this topic. Let me run through a few of these. And unfortunately, I can't read all of the responses that I got. Uh, but, um, but I do want to read a few that kind of represent what a lot of Georgia fans are saying, uh, Crowley dog, uh, writing in on Twitter to say, is it time for the sec to turn a blind eye to Texas and Oklahoma? He says, remember when Florida state and Clemson wanted a second chance in the sec and that essentially didn't happen. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's obviously a sentiment out there, especially for those who don't like Texas. And there are some, you know, plenty of college football fans around the world who kind of don't like Texas that you'd love nothing more than to say, ah, no, Texas, we're not interested in you. We're not going to consider you. But I guess it certainly seems like, though, that the monetary worth of the Texas brand is just is just too much to turn down. And obviously, as Texas goes, it seems like Oklahoma kind of wants to go there as well. Mike Porter also bringing up an interesting point, saying that my immediate concern would be realignment. Uh, He says Oklahoma and Texas are west. He says the easternmost west schools are Auburn and Alabama. And that is kind of interesting that it seems like if you were to keep it to two divisions, that the addition of Texas and Oklahoma would seem to push Tuscaloosa and Auburn a little more into the eastern part of this uh, conference. And all of a sudden you do think of it realignment. There's also been some chatter about, hey, it's not two divisions anymore east and west in a 16-team league now it's four divisions it almost ends up working out like professional sports where like in the nfc south the falcons have the panthers and the bucks and the saints all of a sudden georgia would have its division of three other teams and i guess you try to decide who would georgia's other three be and you know what that kind of means for postseason position and everything else but i mean it certainly does seem like that if this were to truly happen you're talking about a very different look for the SEC going forward, whether it's having to add the ninth game, having to make new divisions, or you know, some people kick around the idea of pods or you know, things along those lines, that somehow the structure of the SEC would have to change. It would just be so cumbersome, 16-team league stretching you know, from Atlanta all the way to Austin that uh, you'd, have to, you'd have to really you know, consider how you managed all that. A couple of more uh, responses from Georgia fans to what this could mean. Xavier Cottle says, let's keep the league at 14, add Oklahoma and Texas, but turn Vanderbilt and Missouri loose. So, <laughs> um, that's uh, Xavier's idea. Something tells me the SEC, even though they're kind of annoying, uh, they kind of like the academic prestige of a school like Vanderbilt. So as much as I love nothing, nothing more than kicking Vanderbilt out of the SEC, could be that the uh, – the uh, league itself doesn't want to do that to such a prestigious academic university one of those schools that kind of eats a candy bar with a knife and fork um i I guess the sec kind of likes having them around as far as the missouri part of this goes this is the other thing i was kind of thinking and i'll try to kind of sum all this up kind of succinctly here that i think one of the things you got to be worried about if you're one of these sec schools like a missouri in a day and age you know missouri's value to the league at one point time was based on cable markets kansas city st louis but now we're kind of heading towards a streaming future where, 
you know, those those cable boxes in those big cities aren't quite as necessary as they once were. It's just about the total eyeballs that you bring to the table. So if you are one of those, I guess, lesser SEC schools, for lack of a better phrase, I'm wondering if you start to get a little nervous about, well, what do you know, what kind of dowry do we bring into this relationship? And, and you know, I've always kind of wondered if at some point in time the next step for conferences is not just adding teams in, but kicking a couple of out that don't actually bring anything to the table. So one of the reasons why there may not be a lot of vocal opposition to bringing in Texas and Oklahoma is because I think there and I'm just speculating here, but there could be some concern that if you end up looking like the squeaky wheel in the SEC, that you might get the fixing in terms of, you know, you know, moved out of the league to make way for those who kind of want progress and all of that. So that's what Xavier's comment made me think. I think we have one more. Let me show this as a way of kind of representing this. And this is what Scott J wrote. And this is probably this sums up the majority of what I got on Twitter uh, in response to all of this news. At DogsFan2017 here, I think kind of sums up what I would imagine right now is the feeling of the majority of Georgia fans, at least the ones that I've heard from. He says, adding Oklahoma and Texas would only make the SEC bigger. He says, uh, what kid wouldn't want to play there? And so that's what a lot of people seem to think, that this is forward thinking by the SEC. It's aggressive. If you were able to add Texas and Oklahoma, the fact that these two schools are even reaching out to the SEC is a little bit of the statement about the program strength right now. So... Boy, there's a lot to consider related to all of this. Pretty fascinating. I would say in the days ahead, there's going to be news breaking each and every day. And at some point in time, you know, George is going to be right there in the uh, center of all of this. So uh, make sure you check that out there today. We will go ahead and wrap things up right now. So as we get ready to say goodbye here on the uh, program today, uh, let me get ready to give you a golden shoe here. And this is kind of funny. It comes from our buddy Mad Dog, but it's actually a tweet that he's sending from somebody else. So it's at John Tweet Sports who uh, shares this. So there's these guys out there, and what Mad Dog writes in is that he thinks this is a part of the Florida fraternity initiation, um, which is kind of funny. And what John Tweet Sports shows is so these guys get down on the boat and they mess with this gator and they use the gator teeth to pop a beer can and they shotgun the beer can. Gators to me are fascinating in that. They kind of move slow until they don't. And some of you have seen this before. It's like they just kind of lumber around like they're very, very slow. But when they strike, man, it's sudden. These dudes are crazy for doing that. But nonetheless, we'll make them our golden shoe winner for today. As far as our Gator Hater countdown goes, how about this? Nice, even 100. 100 days from now, Georgia gets some revenge against Florida. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. My first time to talk to you all in a couple of days after what has been a lot of travel related to SEC media days and everything else. We went really long on the show today, so I'm going to rattle through a bunch of comments here kind of quickly related to more stuff on conference expansion, some of the stuff you know from the show there. Uh, Emery Dave writing in, <laughs> this is not conference expansion. He said, and SEC media day is one of those things where like you try to, follow everything that goes on but you still miss some stuff emory dave said that he thought that nick saban t- took a little bit of a veiled shot at um uh, uh georgia special teams coach scott cochran during his time there speaking at the podium in sec media days obviously cochran a former strength and conditioning coach at alabama i want to check this out i haven't seen this for myself but he said that he was alluding to some changes that he's wanted to see made with the strength program and, you know, Saban's done this kind of thing before. I mean, I think it's pretty tacky and pretty tasteless. Saban's a great coach. I don't know that he's a great guy. I think the way that he's treated Scott Cochran's maybe the example of that. 
William Perry writes it on Twitter to say that I wish the SEC would show support for Texas A&M by telling Texas to kiss its you-know-what and add Oklahoma and Clemson instead. He says, Texas act like a spoiled brat when A&M left for the SEC, so they don't deserve to be in our conference. And I think a lot of SEC fans, at least some, would probably agree with that. Georgia fans might agree with that there as well. I think, unfortunately, the Texas brand may just be too lucrative to really get that kind of thing, but a little suspicion about adding Texas to the SEC, I understand where that's coming from. Um, however, uh, Go Dogs on Twitter says adding teams like A&M and Texas only increases the pod. It would help all teams. Uh, Chris McCall also saying larger, you know, a larger pie would help all the individual slices of that pie, which is kind of a reference to something I'd said on Twitter. Uh, David E. Fox says, let's do the math. Small numbers for simplicity. If currently $1,000 is split, 71 for each school, after Super SEC, number would be double because capitalism, the total goes to $2,000, split 16 ways. Uh, he says that there'd be $125 in this, you know, simplistic scenario in comparison. And I think one of the things that you got to consider here is at one point in time, I, I kind of wondered how big of a player an ESPN wanted to be in these rising rights fee discussions. You know, I mean, ESPN's not spending money quite as wildly as they were a few years ago. We've seen all kinds of, you know, job reductions, things like that. They're not as crazy in spending money as they once were, but. I think the one thing that kind of changes all this, and we I think we actually talked about this during the show yesterday, that while the previous conference realignment was driven heavily by TV markets, cable markets, things along those lines, uh, you know, SEC wanted Missouri because it brought Kansas City and St. Louis with it into the league's footprint. Now it's a lot more about streaming than it once was, which means that the actual cable boxes and the, and the TV markets are less important than the, just the total number of eyeballs that you bring. And you know, for instance, in the NFL world, we see Apple and Amazon and big entities like that, potentially players for those streaming services. In fact, there's a huge conversation. Is it Amazon who's heavily involved in the Thursday night football talks that, you know, kind of much the same way in future rights negotiations that the presence of these big brands like Oklahoma and Texas would help the SEC in a rights negotiation that is a lot more heavily leaning in the direction of streaming than maybe it's been in the past. Uh, Rodney Hewitt also writes in to say two words, revenue split. Texas is like Notre Dame of the West with the Longhorn Network, and Oklahoma is still a cash cow. Can you imagine the new TV deals? And I guess that's the question of, you know, are they going to really be that big? And it seems like the answer is yes, they actually might be. Uh, B. Cochran, uh, UJ Sportsman on Twitter, writes in to say, just like the AFL-NFL combined much stronger, much more revenue, same arguments against Missouri, South Carolina, A&M, and Arkansas were made back in the day, strength in numbers. So, you know, from that standpoint, that truly may be how all of this works out with the potential of adding, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. And as I said, it's also a chance for ESPN to be able to get programming involving the Sooners and the Longhorns, at least additional program they don't already control, without having to buy the entirety of the Big 12 contract. And, you know, I would cite that, you know, that Lubbock newspaper story that I mentioned during, during the earlier portion of the show that when you don't really have the TV powers returning your phone calls, you can understand why that'd make a Texas or an Oklahoma just a little nervous there. Uh, Jason Free says he thinks that college football is better with Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. And, you know, there's certainly an argument made for that. Uh, Wooly asking Rock Sweden on Twitter if they would have to give up the Longhorn Network, and that is my understanding of that, at least based on some of the reporting, is that Texas would want to do that. It's one of the reasons why, when it's all said and done, I kind of wonder if Texas really wants to be in the SEC. And this is total speculation on my part, total speculation. That, 
you know, Texas has kind of got its own special carved out deal in the Big 12. It's easy to understand why they would. The Big 12 really needed Texas in a way that, uh, you know, uh, the SEC just kind of wouldn't. And so, you know, you're able to give them kind of a special deal. They have their own network and everybody just kind of tolerates the the different nature of that deal because without the big flagship schools, you wouldn't have even really been able to have a league without that. And in the SEC, it seems hard to imagine that'd be the case. You know, Texas is a huge brand, but it's not like, you know, the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Georgias, you know, brands like that. It's not like they're particularly small. So the idea that there would be any kind of like special consideration for Texas in the SEC, you're just not going to get that. So does Texas prefer to go somewhere where they can get that, either as an independent, you know, fully negotiating their own deals. Notre Dame makes a lot of money having done that. Uh, or in a place like the Pac-12 where, you know, maybe new league commissioner, it certainly seems like the Pac-12, if you follow this kind of stuff, wants to be a little bit more of a player on the scene. They've been in the past. Larry Scott was a weak commissioner. You know, I think the Pac-12 didn't have its ducks in a row. I don't think the Pac-12 in the past has understood – the way in which at least they've operated as if they haven't understood the ways in which football drives the bus for all of this. I think the new commissioner, he comes from a business background, the casino industry in Las Vegas. I think there's going to be a changing mentality that defines the the Pac-12 moving forward. There have been no reports that the Pac-12 is even connected to Texas right now. But knowing all this is going on, does the Pac-12 try to get involved and, and maybe give – Texas a better deal in terms of the slice of the pie they'd be able to get there. I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. Uh, un, uh, unified subtext says on Twitter the Big 12 would be done for, and I think it's probably true. And you know this is one of those things. We're all just really lucky, and I think we should you know pay close attention to that. That we like Georgia football, and there's really very little on the horizon that seems to stand as a true threat to Georgia football. Georgia's a big enough brand, a big enough entity that no matter how the sport changes, name, image, likeness, transfer portal, conference expansion, whatever else, no matter how the sport changes, it seems like Georgia's going to be able to adapt to whatever changes come because of the strength that Georgia has. And those of us who care about Georgia are all really lucky that's true. But think about this for a moment. Let's say you're an Oklahoma State fan for a moment. Now, Oklahoma State, as a fan base, nowhere near as big as Georgia is. But there are people out there that love Oklahoma State just as much as you love Georgia. There may be fewer people in total than there are you know, friends of yours who care about UGA, but the diehard Oklahoma State fan is just as intense as the diehard UGA fan. I mean, Texas Tech, kind of the same way, right? It's like small fan base, but there are people living in Lubbock who just love the Red Raiders, can't get themselves enough Red Raider football talk the same way that you care about UGA. Not as many of them, but measured by intensity, there are some very intense fans. Can you imagine what they must feel like today, knowing that the brand of football they love and care about is really on the doorstep of just disappearing and that in the future, Texas Tech, I mean, people have kind of talked, kicked around the idea before about relegation. You know how you have that in soccer, you get relegated out of the big league, down to the bottom league because you don't win enough games. I mean, this almost feels like a true version of that kind of thing. And it's almost like no fault of their own, that the earth just moved underneath them. And schools like Oklahoma State and schools like Texas Tech could have gone from being like Power 5, FBS-level type programs to all of a sudden, 
well, they're not going to follow the FBS, but 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 certainly they start to feel a lot more like a group of five type team, uh, a Mountain West, you know, uh, Sun Belt type of team. Even even though they got you know fans, even though they've got you know people who care about them, and and some of these schools, you know, have actual big donors who support them. Oklahoma State obviously had a very famous, uh, gigantic donor, um, but there's just nowhere for them to go. I mean, it's not obvious the the Pac-12 would want an Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. The Pac-12 is very hoity-toity, for lack of a better phrase. They love their academics. And I'm not saying academics are unimportant. I'm just saying the kind of you know snobbish behavior of the Pac-12 I personally find distasteful. But they would turn their nose up at adding schools like that. And, um, you know, it's not obvious that the Big 12 would want them. I'm sorry, the Big 10 would want them either uh, on the basis of, you know, you know, schools like that don't bring the same level of cachet that their in-state rivals would have brought. And so you have these some folks who are who are fans of these smaller schools who are going to literally see the 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 brand of college football that they've enjoyed for the entirety of their lives just disappear right out in front of them. And I'm not sure what you do about that. I mean, change is inevitable, of course. Uh, but still, it's just kind of shocking to realize that for some people, this is going to be an uncomfortable reality. And for those of us who care about Georgia, thankfully, our brand of football not quite so threatened. Chad Lockhart writes in to say that by the mid 2030s, there'll be a college football super league with most of the uh, uh, with uh, 40 teams that drive the most TV interest. The conferences of today may be inside it, but at, not as we know them today, and not all current members. This is just the next step to that point. The landscape is changing again, and I, th- I think there's a chance that Chad may end up being right about that. That I mean, clearly there's a there's a small group of schools that operate at a financial level that is totally above anything else in college sports. And for most of the last however many decades, those bigger schools have been willing to tolerate the smaller schools. In a lot of ways, have kind of helped support them. Um, And you kind of wonder if that's going to continue. By the way, if that evolves, you also kind of wonder how many of these schools, you know, are going to – uh, there's just a lot of evolution that that that, uh, that could occur related to that. But uh, who's to say that Chad doesn't end up being right about that? Uh, Ice Trey also writes in to say, getting ahead of the Super Conference is coming. Divisions are going to be ended, maybe pods. Talking about nine SEC games, three in your pod, two from the other three pods, one out of conference, ten uh, game season, four make the SEC playoffs. It means like four divisions playing off within the SEC. Um, he says that that's just a guess, and I guess anything's possible when it comes to that. Um, uh, Disc for Life also checking in this too, saying, uh, you know, for school like Florida hasn't always enjoyed playing the the tougher schedules this could end up being kind of a bad thing which is kind of interesting seth rhodes asking us about doing more meet and greets during you know get togethers during the season i'm certainly hopeful we're able to do some of that i would love to be able to do that uh so uh good stuff all the way around thanks for being here for our rs andrews podcast cool down and we'll continue to follow all of this news as it unfolds in the uh, days to come so check out rs andrews online for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs and hope you all have a great day i'll see you back here again tomorrow as well for dog nation daily presented by kroger